Now, here's Matt Mosley. On his Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas. And joined right now by David Ubbin, a young father, and uh, he's, I think he's on some dad duty right now. Oh, I like that. I like a little music as we bring David on. He deserves that. But, uh, David, how, I mean, are, are we at nap time? What are we doing? Are you going to be able to, <laughs> can you, can you entertain your child, uh, you know, while, while being on the Matt Mosley show? We're going to find out, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, this is, uh, this is good stuff. I've, I, 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 I remember doing interviews with, uh, with, uh, my daughter Parker in the car. And so it can always get interesting. And if something happens, you, you just say, you just go, I'll understand, uh, because I'm, I'm a, I'm a dad as well. And uh, David Ubbin from the athletic has written this piece about uh, TCU's game against uh, Georgia. I mean, David, I got it. It's an anonymous. I like this. When you get these people comfortable and get them talking about the game and the matchups and everything, those things always interest me greatly. And I think probably, David, uh, when you get these people on the phone, as long as they feel comfortable with you and they probably you've built a trust with these folks, they probably love talking about this stuff, don't they? Because they've some of them have faced Georgia, some of them have faced TCU, and the fact that you're kind of hitting them up for some sort of insidery information, I would think they kind of enjoy this process. Yeah, I mean, there's an element of talking ball to it, and then uh, of course now they're not prepping for opponents, and it's a recruiting dead period. So uh, it was remarkably easier to get guys on the phone for this piece than it was before they played Tennessee. So <laughs> that was in the middle of the season, but uh, it was always interesting. I mean, I think like I, I learn a lot doing these and I come away with them more educated about the sport and about these teams because like, listen, Matt, you've been covering the sport a long time. I've been covering the sport a, a somewhat of a less long time. <laughs> I feel like I understand football, but I don't eat, sleep and breathe it and watch a ton of tape every week and prep for these teams. And so it's always interesting to get a perspective from the people who do. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it, it, I, like I said, I always learn a lot, and I think I try to pass on as much of that as we can to readers. And, um, and so the insights, the opinions, the observations, uh, I think are always very, very interesting. And, and, of course, when you grant them anonymity, you get certainly a lot more unfiltered and, and, uh, and the real stuff, as they say. Yeah, I mean, occasionally you'll get somebody probably it's like, hey, you can put my name with this. <laughs> it's, it's almost like they want to they wanna show up in the article. But uh, but I like you're right, though. You get some really uh, – and, and that's the only thing about the anonymity. You hate giving somebody anonymity and they start, like, ripping somebody. Or That's what I always I – uh, I would give them anonymity as long as they, like, in the NFL draft. They weren't going to come out and, like, say something about a kid's character. I think mm-hmm. it, as reporters, but in this, it's great because you're talking to them about the strategy and, uh, and the scheme and all of that. I did love this one comment, though, um, early in your story where <laughs> – I'm trying to see. Oh, here it is. You, it was an assistant coach who had faced the Bulldogs earlier this season, and the quote was, George is going to boat race them. <laughs> yep. Now, that might be some SEC pride kicking in. That might be a coach 
who got his tail kicked by Georgia? You know, you never – I mean, I know you can't tell us, but that's an interesting uh, feeling. I, you know, it's, isn't it funny? I would think TCU, with what they did to Michigan, put some of that stuff to bed. But I still think when you get ready to, uh, to play the big bad Georgia, there's some of this thought – TCU plays in the Big 12. There's some of that hangover that still occurs, and I guess as you started doing your interviews, uh, David, some of that was still kind of out there, wasn't it? Well, there's definitely a lot of SEC chest beating, and I think, you know, TCU can believe that they put some of that to bed, um, you know, by beating Michigan, but the reality is most people around the SEC sort of see the Big 10 as like a less creative, slightly less physical version of the SEC. Um, because so much of that offensive creativity has kind of crashed the SEC the last few years. But they still have, obviously, the, the sort of big hog mollies on the, on the defensive line, the war daddies up front, that, like, you still have that element of, hey, you can point to the NFL draft board and you can put on the tape for guys like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter. Um, but then, of course, they've had that influx of, of quarterback play and, and guys like Todd Munkin coming to the league and Lane Kiffin and those guys and, so the league is, is you know, I think beating teams from the Big Ten, even if it's Ohio State, even if it's Michigan, for people around the SEC, you're only going to impress them so much. So, you know, in the SEC, unless you went toe-to-toe with Alabama or you went toe-to-toe with Georgia and beat them, respect's hard to come by. Isn't that interesting that they thought one of those head coaches you talked to thought that um, Garrett Riley, the TCU offensive coordinator, would reach out to Lincoln and, and even going back to the fact that that game against Georgia that uh, Lincoln was involved with when they jumped out to a 31-14 lead, we all know what happened after that, but I do find that kind of interesting. I would think that uh, Garrett always probably leans a little bit on his brother or, or reaches out, and I think with Lincoln having time on his hands, he would be very open to helping out. That, that And also it's kind of interesting where this game is being played. I mean, Lincoln uh, – you know, could could drop by. I mean, it, that's that's a that's a. I'm sure uh, that's Lincoln a, will be on the yeah. sidelines for this one. I, I'd have to assume. Really? That see, that's interesting because I know he'll be rooting for his brother. But uh, yeah, you're right. I see. I would think he'll be maybe up in a in suite a or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe he's I in a box. Yeah, because uh, I, I, no, I think it'll be interesting. I think that when you look back at that game. You know, not a lot of teams had done that to Georgia. I thought it was an interesting idea. That was actually the very last coach that I talked to. Kevin mentioned, he's like, I, he's like, I bet you Garrett, you know, is talking to Lincoln, um, you know, about that, that, that Rose Bowl back in the day. Um, because, you know, the personnel and, and what Georgia does is still different. But Kirby still thinks the same way. They still try to accomplish the same thing. It's an interesting idea. Yeah. And, and, I, I, I find it interesting um, uh, that the, talking about this cornerback from Georgia and, and how people even have differing thoughts as you talk to those different coaches, talking about Ringo. I mean, this is mm-hmm. I love that name, by the way. I think back to Steve Tombstone. Ringo's a good name. Also known as yeah. the guy who iced the title for him last year. Ooh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but, you know, some of the people you talked to said, "Nah, he's the best cornerback uh, in the you know the SEC bar none." I mean, this guy you know is is dominant kind of guy. And then as you talk to others, it was kind of like, "Well, I don't know. We can run him around a little bit. He he can be a little stiff getting out of, in and out of his cuts." And of course, 
you know, some of that um, came out in the Ohio State. I mean, they, they uh, unlike some of these other corners, I think you were uh, brought up the name, uh, was it Sauce Gardner, the, uh, the former Cincinnati cornerback uh, that was a first-round pick. I mean, I, I, all this stuff is fascinating to me. But this Ringo, like to some people, he is don't even test him. Don't go at him. And then some of the people you talked to said, yeah, go at him as much as you want to. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the last two games. I mean, that target data I think is telling because when you have a quarter, a cornerback that's talking about in the top 15 pick, a lot of times you see it like it was with Sauce last year where, like, teams for two years basically, like, teams didn't try him, and that was, like, his major challenge that coaches would talk to him about is, like, hey, you're so good. Like, people are not going to throw at you. You have to stay disciplined even though you might see – two balls like the whole game and like you just have to stay invested well that's not been the case with Ringo they've been challenging him I, I I think you know a couple coaches mentioned Ohio State was hunting him and so when you're talking about a top 15 pick wow it's very interesting you know he has those measurables he's really physical he's a big body um, but there's been questions about his speed uh, he's pretty good tracking the ball in the air um, but that was the thing that that you know when he was coming out of high school there was some conversation about is this guy a corner is this guy a safety um, and, and certainly, you know, he was he was giving it up. And, and um, you know, when you look at the advanced numbers for his target data, you know, the last two games, he basically gave up almost all of what Sauce gave up in all of last season. So, wow. you know, I think the Ringo questioning is, is really, really interesting. I think obviously a guy that regardless of what those coaches think, it's probably going to be a first-round pick. But, you know, probably have to answer some of those questions as, as he tries to kind of build out his own, uh, you know, his own, his own legacy at the next level. All right, and then looking at it from talking to David Ubbin, uh, who has written this for the Athletic, this anonymous uh, he granted anonymity to these uh, coaches and uh, SEC coaches, Big Twelve coaches, people that have faced these two teams, and um, I think it's interesting looking at the TCU defense, and you know I, I think. Um, some people scoffed at the idea of uh, there had been some comments maybe coming out of Michigan. Oh, the three three five. You know, let's not let's not act like that's going to be the the toughest thing we face. And while they did run up a lot of yardage, I mean, I, there, David, that was the crazy thing about that game. First of all, Michigan left some plays out there early, and some of the coaches mm-hmm. you talked to hated some of the misdirection they did. I think thinking, hey. Why don't you, if you're the Big Ten and you're, and you're so proud of your offensive line, line up and try to blow them off the ball? And they didn't always do that in the game. And, the, of course, they had to get back in it with the pass. I, David, I was – I mean, D winners, the kid Hodges that transfer from Navy, I was so impressed with some of the – Bud Clark, the safety from TCU. What were some of these mm-hmm. coaches tell, telling you about this TCU defense? Were, were some of them a little almost surprised at how how well that defense showed up against Michigan? Well, I think the coaches across the Big 12 sort of knew um, because, yeah. you know, the three three five. you know, I've had it described to me in the past. I mean, it's a tricky defense. I've had coaches describe to me in the past as like the triple option of defenses and that it's just a very unique challenge that you don't see very often. And so you can see, like, some quarterbacks is going to eat up, just like some defenses is going to eat up because their reads, you know, their their eyes are lying to them and they're really struggling with it. And then sometimes it, it doesn't do a whole lot, but it's very different. But usually that's in regards to the passing game. And we saw that, obviously, with J.J. McCarthy, a pretty accomplished quarterback on a team that doesn't turn the ball over. 
all of a sudden throws two pick sixes in a huge game. But I had not considered about the running game. And then, you know, I talked to a coordinator in the Big 12 who was basically just saying, he was calling it an optical illusion because everything you see, the size, the alignment says, run it between the tackles. He's like, and that's exactly what they want you to do. And so you have to do some other things and you have to get used to it and make sure that you're allocating your blockers and, and, uh, and formationing it right. And, and that's, if you haven't repped it a ton, that can be tough for 18 to 22 year olds. It's, it's just a very, very unique scheme. And obviously, you know, Michigan talked a big game about, Hey, we're going to run the ball. We're going to you know play bully ball. They get a 60 yard run on the first play or first drive. And then I think they had like a hundred yards the rest of the game. Some of that's game flow naturally, but mm-hmm. I, I didn't see Michigan as the aggressor in that ball game. TCU really held up and, and I think they're going to try to do the same thing against Georgia. All right, and uh, to your point that the uh, Jamoy Hodge, I thought I brought up Hodges and uh, Johnny Hodges. I, I just like that guy, fifty-seven, and I like a guy who just decided at Navy. Think about that. You're at the Naval Academy, and you're like, you know what? I think I'll just test this portal out. I mean, nobody yeah. from those service academies, for the most part, you're not getting guys out of the portal at those academies. And this kid said, you know what? I think I can play somewhere, and and it was like. <laughs> Somebody kind of knew about him somehow. I mean, there was just it was a really interesting story how he ended ended up on there. And uh, and then the last thing you had here, we we're talking about uh, some of the game picks, <clears throat> and I thought that was interesting. Um, one coordinator you talked to said Duggan is the toughest player in the country, <laughs> and what you, what you've got a leader like that, and and when you've got a leader like that, uh, I wouldn't count him out. And uh, and then somewhere in here also somebody was talking about, do you maybe run him even more in a game like this? The only problem was we saw in the Big 12 title game, he, he was great. He was extremely effective, but he also got to the point where he could barely function at the end of the game. So uh, it's a national championship game, so you can't, like, hold anything back, but you do have to have him for down the stretch. So that'll be fascinating, uh, David, to see – how much they use him as a weapon in the run because he's a huge weapon in that in that area. Well, yeah, and I think ultimately you have to tilt the numbers. You know, if you've got Georgia's defense and you're not using the quarterback as a run threat, well, then it's 11 on 10. And, you know, in this sort of situation where you're playing a team that has as much talent as Georgia, that's asking a lot. I mean, you're giving them a numbers advantage. And if they have to account for his legs on every play, that makes it easier to run the ball. That makes it easier to throw the ball down the field. Um, and it makes it easier to protect. And, and you, you know, you just look at it from a holistic sense. You know, I, I was talking to some other people today. You know, obviously Georgia's the best team, and every coach, you know, are a better team. And, and, Georgia, and every coach you talk to is, is well aware of that. But depending on who you talk to, you know, they're not going to play 100 times. They're not going to play seven times. They're going to play once. And TC only has to beat them once. And the odds of that, you know, are, are certainly better if you only have to do it once than if you got to do it, you know, four out of seven times or 51 out of 100 times. And, and I think, you, you know, uh, Monday night's going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting. Also, one last thing I had for you, because your child has done so well here, so I don't want to push this. Is <laughs> um, uh, David Ubbin from The Athletic is on dad duty as we, uh, as we do this. I, I feel like you should introduce your child on the air. Uh, <laughs> 
She doesn't say uh, much these days, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, but you, you could say her name. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, I, I find uh, this Petrino hire at Texas A and M. I know we we all had a good laugh about it, but it's a telling hire in the sense that it may tell you that there just weren't a lot of people who wanted to go uh, call plays for Jimbo and, and kind of knew how unique how unique that would be, and even knowing they would pay huge money, that they weren't knocking down the door to do that. Is that how you took it, that maybe they couldn't, you know, there weren't that many people interested, or did you take it as, hey, you know, Jimbo decided Bobby was his man, and that's who he's always wanted? Well, I'll say this. Uh, if, he, or if Texas A&M needs some money for a buyout, I would say that if they just – uh, made a reality show and charged pay per view. You could make a pretty penny uh, inside the coach's <laughs> office over the next uh, over the next nine months. I would pony up for that. I think a lot of people uh, otherwise would. Uh, some very interesting uh, personalities in the coach's office, and and certainly uh, some personalities that uh, uh, not everyone loves. We'll say that. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's accurate. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the kindest way to put that, I suppose. Yeah, and I'm sure you saw some of those memes that had, he had his <laughs> ne- neck brace on from the Arkansas picture, but he had the uh, he had the maroon on. All right, David, um, I uh, I appreciate it. I'll let you get back to it. Always great to visit with you and enjoy the game Monday. Thank you. Appreciate it, David Ubbin from the Athletic. We used to be on TV together at uh, Fox Sports Southwest back in the day, and we would do a college football final, Big 12 final, I think they called that, with former uh, Giants player Gary Reasons. And then it used to be, uh... (laughs) Aaron, you know when they needed me to step in on that show? It's the truth of the matter is when they, they tried to hire Craig James, you know, after he'd been, after he was out at ESPN, after all that had happened with Mike Leach, and they got so much blowback and and bad press that they're like, well, better not. I don't think this is going to work. And so <laughs> they then turned to me. I, obviously, I think I was way less controversial than <laughs> Craig James. Uh, I I might have some political thoughts, but I keep them to myself. And uh, at the time, Craig James may have either been toying with the idea or had just run for the uh, U.S. Senate. And I had no political aspirations. 